Hi everyone and welcome to Narratives of Purpose podcast, a place where we discuss how ordinary people are making extraordinary social impact. I am Claire Marigande, your host on this show. In this new episode and for the first time on the podcast, I don't have one, but two guests. They are Ana Maria Angarita and Isabel Brüchel. Both Ana Maria and Isabel are two of the co-founders of Capacity Zurich. Capacity is a non-profit, talent and startup incubator for people with refugee and migrant background based in Zurich. Our discussion today is centered around social entrepreneurship, inclusion, but also changing mindsets and building talents. These themes and many more are at the heart of Capacity's work. It's going to be a great and very insightful conversation with Ana Maria and Isabel, and I'm sure you will enjoy it. Welcome, ladies. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really great to have you both today, and thank you so much for accepting my invitation. You are both co-founders of Capacity Zurich, but since I haven't known you very well, I'd like to leave you the stage and introduce yourselves. So perhaps Anna Maria can start. Yes, sure. Thank you, Claire. I am originally from Colombia. My background is in migration and social entrepreneurship. Throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to work with different international organizations in different countries. I've had um, also experience in marketing and building uh, international networks uh, across sectors. Also, I've had the chance to live in different countries, from Colombia to the U.S., to the U.S., to Switzerland, and for a while, India, and then back in Switzerland. Um, Isabel, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, thank you. I am half German, half Colombian, and grew up in Colombia, but uh, with a very strong heritage, German heritage there. I am actually an architect and I am spe specialized in conservation of historical buildings. I did my degree here in Switzerland, my specialization, but I lived as well in many countries. After finishing my studies in Colombia, I went to the United States and lived there three years, and then to Germany, where I lived three years too, working as an architect, and then I came to Switzerland uh, almost 20 years ago. So I see that you have similar backgrounds, both from Colombia, partly from Colombia, and also lived in the US and now in Switzerland. So I think you have an interesting perspective on Swiss society as well. Probably we'll come back on that later on. Now, let me start with a discussion and uh, let's talk about Capacity Zurich. I was researching recently and I, I, I saw on your website that you're basically a talent and startup incubator for people with refugee and migrant background. So as you've said, you're both migrants here in Switzerland. So can you tell me, maybe I'll start with Isabel this time, how did you get involved with um, capacity? Yeah, that's a, an interesting story. I have to, to start a little bit backwards. When, when I came to Switzerland, I was an independent architect for a couple of years. When my children were growing up in the primary school, it, I found it very challenging to to work as an independent architect and at the same time be there for my kids. I decided to leave my office to sell my part and started volunteering, especially when I saw that so-called refugee crisis was ongoing and it was in the 
peak in 2015. I looked for opportunities to volunteer, especially because I wanted to set a precedent for my children to say we can show our solidarity now with people that are in trouble or we can always stay in our comfortable zone and this is not how I want to look back at some point. And I started teaching German in a refugee camp. It's something that I'm doing since almost six years. Then uh, through this activity, I did a couple of uh, volunteer humanitarian trips to Lesbos and different parts of the Balkans. And after that, I started to look for more opportunities here in Switzerland. I was engaged with an organization called Architecture for Refugees who wanted to uh, have a more sustainable model and participated in the program from Capacity. And that's how I met Capacity because I participated with them. And afterwards, when I was looking for a more stable job, again, I had contact with Capacity again and I started to work in Capacity more formally since uh, 2017 has been. That's a really, really fascinating story. So you started as a volunteer. Right. And how about you, Anna Maria? Well, I've been living in Switzerland for the last 11 years, but um, I lived in Geneva for six years and a half. And during that time, I, I had the opportunity to um, work on causes that I cared about and also do my master's um, in Geneva. But then in 2015, my, my husband and I decided to move to Zurich for new opportunities. And actually, I find myself facing challenges that were quite unexpected, given that I had been living in Switzerland for quite some time already. So I found myself looking for a job for a longer period of time, uh, trying to find ways to build my network from scratch. You'll be surprised how little the two regions, the French and the, the German, talk to each other. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a challenge. And so while I was in that process of, in a way, reinventing myself, I started to consider, you know, learning more about the entrepreneurship world. And so I started volunteering here and there. And I would say the most important volunteering experience from that time was with the Impact Hub, because it was thanks to that opportunity that I started to connect with people from the startup world. And it was then when uh, I was able to meet one of the other uh, co-founders of uh, Capacity and, uh, and the team back then. And so I started as a, as a volunteer. And for me, when I came into contact with them was a very special time for me because it was the first time that I had the opportunity to give back to people in such a tangible way. It was very close to my heart because I, um, I was an asylum seeker in the United States. So from Colombia, we had to, to escape, to flee the country uh, in 2001. And we moved to the US um, and I lived there for 10 years. My family still lives there. There were many challenges that we faced during, during that time of adaptation and uh, assimilation, right, of the culture as well that when I started with Capacity, I was amazed by the many tools and opportunities and support that we could offer to refugees and migrants here. And for me, being in a position now to give many of the things that I wish I've had while I was in that process was very powerful. 
and in a way just really a, 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 an amazing connection with my purpose uh, that I believe I have uh, in my life, which is to support others, to create, to have an impact, a positive impact in others' lives. So capacity, uh, it has a quite important place in my heart and it, it will be like that forever, I think. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It feels like you came full circle, right? You're able to have your shared experience and bring it to another level, right? Absolutely. And one other point, you talked about the co-founders of Capacity. When I was looking at your um, website again, I, I kind of counted and I think there were like six or seven, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. But I think your model is a bit special. Can you talk about that a bit? Yes, sure. At the moment, currently, we are seven co-founders. Uh, we totally understand that, that for many people, um, this might uh, be quite surprising or sometimes confusing or just really impressive to see like a, 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 a group that big of co-founders. Uh, but the reality is that what we try to do is we, we try to redefine the concept of founder uh, so that we could actually acknowledge all the outstanding contributions that many team members have done along the way. And so for us, really the, the focus is on the community, on the impact that we are having on the community. We want to focus on their issues, um, their successes, their needs. And we feel that within the team, each team member has a responsibility and we all feel responsible for the success um, of our participants. So in a way, we know that in the startup world, uh, this can be a little bit uh, confusing, but um, it is our way also of you know, making an impact and perhaps even challenge ways of operating and can be also perhaps an inspiration uh, for other organizations to consider adapting these type of founding models. That's very interesting and I really love to listen to what you're saying because you're kind of challenging. <laughs> yes, and, and something cool. if, I, if I may say, uh, or Isa, perhaps you can, you can talk about it, is every year and a half, right, uh, we take a look if there is uh, another member whose contributions um, have been, again, quite outstanding and significant to the direction and growth of the organization. And so we invite them to, to become members and I think founders, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> to that point, uh, that what Ana Maria is saying, I think we see the organization as a growing organism and it, it changes and it evolves. And the people that maybe were at the beginning are not there anymore, but there are other people that are extremely engaged. And that's where we see, okay, in how much has been the contribution and how long has been this, pers this person engaged and, and what is the potential of the engagement for the future. So that's why this model is more close to our organization than uh, mentioning the, the very, very origins. And if I may, it can be also a solution for many organizations in the sense that at the very beginning of capacity, there were times when some team members wouldn't be invited let's say, uh, for an interview with the media or participate in a specific event because perhaps the people looking for some answers didn't come from the co-founder. So for us, it was also a solution just to really get going and not have so many obstacles to, you, you know, to keep establishing connections, get the word out about the work we do and so on. So our target are the refugees and migrants. And so 
we, we build that co-founding model to make it work, right? So, so that we can advance as much as possible. It's really like a down-to-earth model, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's come to the organization. So you have the people who will enroll as entrepreneurs, you have volunteers, and you also have partners. So can you talk about what you offer to, to entrepreneurs? In Capacity, um, we offer entrepreneurship programs for people with refugee and migrant background. And we uh, pretty much, we support the development of their profit or non-profit initiatives in Switzerland. They are our main stakeholders or, or in a way our main beneficiaries, but in the way we work, there's also space. So another group of stakeholders is volunteers who'd like to participate in the program as mentors or coaches. Actually, I mean, we've realized along the way that entrepreneurship is a successful way to engage companies as partners and promote discussion about inclusion from different perspectives and in many cases intersectional perspectives and so they played a, a very important role in guiding the development process of the idea that business that the entrepreneur or the refugee and migrant wants to develop and then um, the third stakeholder will be, in general, the society. Yeah, and we definitely have an activism behind our work, which mm -hmm. is advocate for change. Exactly. Because inclusion is not a, a one-way avenue, but a two-way avenue. The society itself is quite an important stakeholder because through our work, what we're trying to do is to change mindsets and change stereotypes towards uh, migrants and refugees. And so what we're doing is we're bridging uh, communities that perhaps, you know, if it wasn't for the work that we do would not meet. And uh, we're creating spaces for dialogue. They can have an effect at different levels. They can be like the discussion at the level of the discussion that we're having right now, but also at the political level, right? Uh, which is quite important to be able to influence uh, important policies and so on. So to that point, you were mentioning about your role of activism and advocating for change. And you just also talked now about influencing policies. How has that worked for you? I mean, by that, how have you um, helped move that discussion further? We wish we could have more impact in that, but that is something that can take years in changing. And I think there has been a lot being done, not only by us, but other organizations that work in the same field. There is a lot of uh, connections with other organizations that are act, uh, actively working in the same field that we are. There have been different opportunities to try to change things. For example, we are in a roundtable with different organizations that are trying to raise awareness about the fact how difficult it is to get an education and the labor market integration as a refugee. And these organizations that are in this roundtable, they are all organizations like ours that work with volunteers. And these organizations, for example, don't have access to the money available from the federal government into the canton cantonal government, which is in the integration agenda. And we are trying to make the point that it, and it is very, 
fragmented across Switzerland how it works, but in, in, in Canton Zurich is like that. And so we see there, for example, an obstacle that we are trying to, to change. On the other hand, our uh, capacity has been attracting the attention of, for example, the SEM, Secretariat für Migration. Anna Maria was in Paris last year, invited by Bundesrätin Kelasuta to the OECD to present capacity as a good example of integration in Switzerland. So there are uh, efforts or little, little steps where we can see, okay, the interest is there. We were uh, not so long ago uh, in Bern at the same. Change comes slowly, but I think we have to keep on doing the work we're doing, trying to move things forward, despite it can take very long. We've talked about challenges, but what has been some achievements uh, that you, you could share here? We have several achievements. I mean, in the last six years, uh, running capacity, we are proud, really, because it has been with a lot of effort, but we're very proud about graduating 96 um, entrepreneurs coming from 48 different countries, um, actually 51 different countries. That's quite rewarding really gives us perspective um, about the need and about the demand uh, for these kind of projects. And so for us, it's really in a way even um, an inspiration to get going um, and to keep evolving and to keep trying new ideas uh, to respond to the different needs uh, refugees and migrants face here in Switzerland. Um, another achievement uh, was just like uh, Isa uh, mentioned before is, the opportunity to start taking part in um, high-level meetings. The fact that ha having our, our work being recognized by international um, organizations, such as like the OECD or the Swiss government, or actually back in 2018, we were also invited to take part um, reviewing a uh, policy document about refugee entrepreneurship uh, with different UN agencies that was also quite a big milestone for us. So that recognition and that the credibility that we've been building over the years is quite an achievement because we are still quite a small team, but a small team that is achieving big, uh, big things. In terms of the, the companies uh, that you partner with, what has been their their feedback or their experience so far with you and how do they, they consider this collaboration with you? Can you talk about that, perhaps, Isabel? Our model, our partnership model works the following. We have companies partnering with us and they are the ones that support our programs so that the programs are for free for the migrants and refugees. The companies that participate with us have been luckily on board for longer time. We, every year we acquire more partners, but we have long-term partnership, which has been really rewarding because we work with the same people in the companies that we have a relationship with them. Anna Maria is taking care of that relationship. Very positive way to work because at the same time the person that is representing the company and has the relationship with us is the one that has normally to look for the volunteers or opens the offering for the volunteers within the company. The volunteers go through a complete experience of acquiring some skills, for example, mentoring and coaching, working with vulnerable uh, communities. At the same time, they 
get to know a lot about the asylum system and what are the hurdles for migrants to integrate in Switzerland. They are coached by our team as well, and they have very regularly calls with Valentina, who is the one who manages the engagement of all the volunteers. So it is a period of time of th three to four months where the volunteers have a very immersive experience of volunteering. The mentors mentor the mentees very often as well, a commitment through, throughout all these uh, months. And the feedback that we have gotten up to date, it has been very positive. We are very satisfied and the companies as well sending the employees. I think I would add to what Isa just said is that also some of the feedback that we have received is volunteers coming from companies go through a transformational experience where they experience a growing respect towards uh, the entrepreneurs when they kind of like discover each other little by little as they meet they continue to to uh, get rid of you know one layer two layers uh, until they get to know one another and so it is quite powerful to watch that uh, mutual uh, growing respect and admiration and energy about developing that business or sociocultural initiative. And to add to what Ana Maria is saying, <laughs> that is as well our intention with our work because this is one of the targets that we have is to change minds and to change minds in people that probably have more power to be a change maker in, the, in their communities to offer maybe an internship or a job to a refugee or a migrant. That, that's why we really see the volunteers that participate in our programs as our secondary target group. Yes, that's a very good point. I was just about to ask that, you know, trying to link with the changing the mindset and the effect on society. I can really imagine, you know, this transformational experience that you're describing, how it can affect really everybody involved in, in this whole process. If you have someone migrant background who wants to be part of your programs, what does their journey look like? Any person with migrant or refugee background can apply to capacity to the different programs that we offer. For the first program, the launch program, it is a program around the ideation phase of the business. So uh, the person that applies has to have only an idea but a very solid idea of what they want to do. I mean, some research in that field would be good, uh, or even uh, have tried something, a, a very concrete idea. And then after we receive the applications, we carry out interviews. If the person gets selected, they become uh, a couple of materials from our side, and especially because we want to make sure that the people that get into the program can make the most out of it, that they are really committed to the program, because being a program that is financed or sponsored, we always want to make sure that the person that gets it can really make the most out of this opportunity. Then we make an, an orientation about the program and how they are going to work with their mentors, how they are going to work with the coaches, how the sessions are uh, done. And they have, during these couple of months, different workshops that are organized in startup days with 
the basic concepts about opening a business, founding the business. They are mentored every week, every two weeks. They can uh, reach out to coaches who are specialized in specific topics when the mentor cannot help because mentors, of course, they don't know every topic. They should develop uh, based in different tasks that, and milestones they, have, they should reach and should develop their business up to the point where they should be ready to be prototyping would be the next phase. Normally we do a small final event to each program, which was not possible. I mean, small final event was a big final event in the, in the past. It, at this point with COVID, we had to move everything online, which then it was not so big, <laughs> but a more rather online event. And we hope, uh, I mean, this year we are probably will have to manage with mostly online sessions for the time being, but we hope that we can uh, do all our events as well. And this is, this is, this cycles repeats in the, in the next program, which is a more advanced and more developed program for, for uh, startups. And in the third one, the people can reach out to coaches and they have different events where they can really develop their, their project up to the point of having a solid business plan. The, the participants have after the first phase, they can decide if they want to continue or not because entrepreneurship is not for everyone and it's a tough uh, world, <laughs> the entrepreneurship. Something quite important is that the entrepreneurship program that Capacity offers is an integral learning experience about entrepreneurship. So what we are doing is we are in the business, as we say, we are in the business of building talent. And so what we are looking at is, is develop entrepreneurs. And we know that to support that process is not only a matter of giving the tools about business development, but it is also that, that support at, uh, at the uh, personal development level, how to deal with stress in your entrepreneurial journey, um, how to become, be more resilient, how to build your um, inner confidence. So there are several elements that are quite important uh, to develop a, a strong entrepreneur and that's what capacity is all about. So, so you're basically, if I understand correctly, addressing different aspects of the individual entrepreneur, as, you know, taking the person as a whole, right? Giving them the resources around to support their idea so that also they learn the process if they don't know what entrepreneur ship is about but also developing personally when you face difficulties what do you do or you know where to find resources on your own as well so it's really like a, a multi-level approach is that correct absolutely i would say that confidently <laughs> that uh, the capacity entrepreneurship program is like no other what it makes it so special is really um these support at different levels multi-dimensional multi-dimensional support that we provide to, to that point, I would just add that uh, we are not interested so much in building startups or businesses. That's not our goal. We are interested in building people, as Ana Maria was saying. So if a person that goes through the program learns some skills that are transferable to other areas of 
his, her or his life, for example, if a person finds a job or be, because of the network uh, she acquires or uh, can go to a further education program, that's already a success for us because uh, that's what we want to have is people developing further their potential, not necessarily having successful businesses. That's really powerful and very beautiful. I love it. So looking forward, now we're starting a new year, 2021. This might be like a very large question, but what are the main focuses or where is capacity headed now? We have big dreams. We've never been scared of dreaming uh, and we're a small organization, but um, as we continue to grow and we enter our sixth year of running the organization, in addition to the entrepreneurship program, we have developed a new program around uh, market labor integration that we are looking to implement. And so we are actively looking for uh, companies who would like to take part in it, to co-create it and sponsor it. That's one of our big goals this year. So this is an open invitation uh, to uh, anybody or everybody who is listening to us right now. Uh, if you'd like to, to learn more about it, get in touch with us uh, and we'll be happy to, to share all the details. Uh, apart from the labor market integration track that Ana Maria was mentioning, we would like to make the next step, in, which is scaling capacity to the next level, not only geographically to be able to, to offer our programs in different parts of Switzerland, but we are uh, really thinking of opening the programs into a whole academy that can be attended by people who want to learn from different sets of skills within the programs or just if they have one topic that they would like to learn more about. We have applied for grants to be able to make it a reality. That uh, would be the, the bigger dream. This is really wonderful and I admire the work you're doing and I had been doing my research as well but this conversation has really like you know opened up my whole horizon and my perspective and I find it really really great what you're doing with your organization so congratulations thank on you for that. Yeah, thank you all so your co-founders not only you but everyone <laughs> yeah. and, and I would say that in addition to the co-founders to, to co-founders to the volunteers because it is really thanks to not only the volunteers who take part in the program as mentors or coaches, but really the volunteers who engage with us at the organizational level, who volunteer their time. And actually it is in great part thanks to them that we continue to grow quite a, at a fast, fast pace. So definitely we, we give a lot of credit also to, to the volunteers that, that we're lucky to have. So before we we move to the last part. Do you have anything you'd like to add that you think is relevant for anybody listening to know? We have a few uh, call to actions. So right now we are recruiting for our entrepreneurship program, phase one, which is called the lounge. And we will have an information session on the 3rd of February. Uh, you can all follow capacity on social media. So Facebook, uh, Twitter and LinkedIn to get all the details uh, and the application deadline is on the 12th of February and the second um, call to action if you're interested curious would like to receive more information about our labor market integration program called access contact us info at capacityzurich.ch
so for the last part, I like um, for my guests to share some of their favorite music or their favorite books. Three short questions. Are you ready? Yes, we are. Question number one. Do you have a song that you're constantly listening to these days? Or what is the book that you're reading right now? So Anna Maria, go ahead. Yes, the, the song that I, I always turn to at some point is actually from Shakira, Ready for the Good Times. I mean, I like crossover music, but uh, I like how, you know, the beat of the, of the song and the lyrics. It's fun. You should listen to it. And how about you, Isabel? Do you have a, a song or is it a book that you want to share with us? I am uh, reading a book which is called The Body, A Guide for Occupants from Bill Bryson. And it is about how the body works. I think it is right now even more relevant that uh, people read this kind of scientific literature in a very easy and fun way. And uh, it has a lot of different pieces of history of medicine and interesting facts about the body. So I think it's fascinating. There's uh, this book, it's called The Creative Habit, and it is by Twila Tharp. And I thought for me, you know, during COVID times, I thought that I really need to connect more with my creativity. And this book is brilliant uh, in just how you can apply it to every single aspect of your life. Yeah, just full of energy that only creativity gives you. That sounds really fascinating and something I think we could all use right now. Question two, is there a song or an artist or perhaps a book that particularly resonated with you at a specific time in your life? So this time, Isabel, go first. I have an, uh, an album, The Division Bell from Pink Floyd, who has really accompanied me forever. I, it's an album that I can hear hundred times and every stage of my life and I will always like it somehow. It's a classical for me and it's going to be a classical forever. And how about you and Maria? Well, he, he actually, he, he passed away already, but th there was this Argentinian singer, Gustavo Cerati. I've always been a huge fan of him and there's this specific song uh, that is called Magia that in English translates uh, magic. It's my go-to song, uh, like a pick-me-up song. And uh, I listen to that song every single day, different times a day when um, I moved to Zurich. And I was in this new, you know, new phase where I was looking to uh, reinvent myself and transform myself. And uh, that song is beautiful. Third and uh, last question. What is your all-time favorite album or your all-time favorite book that you absolutely recommend, Anna Maria? For me, it would be Oasis and their album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Um, fully recommended if you're into um, English rock and it actually is quite similar to bands like Blur or even the Beatles at some point. Uh, it, it, they have a great influence. Uh, on their music. I absolutely love that album. And Isabel, what do you recommend? I read a book a couple of years ago. It's, it's a, a relative recent book, which I like a lot. It is Educated from Tara Westover. I would recommend it, definitely. Why would you recommend it? It is a, a book about a girl who was not educated, but living in a very um, fundamentalistic community 
in the United States and has an incredible story how education transformed her. And it is extremely touching. It's a real story and uh, how she managed to go out and see the world with different eyes after her education. So um, one of the, the songs that really um, stayed in my mind last year uh, during, I would say during the fall, was the music from Claudia Masica. She participated in the program last year in the Boost program. She's an artist. She's fantastic. Um, she's a designer and um, also a singer. And there's this song that is called Malkia, uh, that I, I believe it means queen. Um, and she wrote this song um, to her daughter. You can actually find her music on Spotify and her voice, the African beats, the, all the, the vibe, her vibe is just fantastic. So I want to invite people to, to discover her. That's a beautiful invitation. And I will make sure that there is a link to her music and all the music and the books that you just mentioned as well in the show notes. So Ana Maria Isabel, thank you so very much for taking the time this afternoon to talk with me. It has been an absolute pleasure to get to know you better, to learn more about your story, and most importantly, to learn about what Capacity is doing, not only your team, but also the people who are volunteering. And I can only say again and repeat that I admire everything you're doing. And thank you for that. It was a fun, a reflective conversation. So thank you for the opportunity and we hope to, to stay in touch with you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. That was episode five, a conversation with Ana Maria Angarita and Isabel Brücher, two inspiring women I am grateful to have recently met. Ana Maria and Isabel are role models and leaders through the impactful work they carry out at Capacity. Thank you for tuning in today and listening to the episode. I really appreciate you taking the time. You'll find all the links and relevant information from this episode on the podcast page. Here is the reference. Narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. <laughs>